Hello, friends, and welcome to Pod Return to the Waking Sands. We are a Final Fantasy XIV companion podcast where we explore the lore and story of Hydaelyn and beyond. I'm Jen, and I'm joined by my co-host and researcher. I'm Levi. Today, we are wrapping up the Limsa Lamenta main story quest. But first, Jen, what happened last time? Uh, last time we had a run-in with the uh, Serpent Reavers, uh, who are current pirates who have bent the knee to the Sahagan, and they are behind all of the uh, the spate of kidnappings lately to build build the numbers for their cult. Our pal Severin works for Summerford Farms, and he's been a bit of a problem child lately. And this escalated to the point where the Serpent Reavers finally came to collect their due from Severin. His freedom for his friends in service of the Sahagan and the Reavers. So we we stumble upon this this interaction. He's getting beat up by the Serpent Reavers and the uh, masked man appears and we fight a golem and Severin has a major come to Jesus moment. Repents, says he'll turn himself in. There we go. That work is done. We go back to see our buddy and fixer, Baderon, at the Drowning Winch in Limsa. And he has a new job for us, of course. There is work over at the Skylift, which is the lift that carries goods up and down that chasm that divides middle Lanosia. So we head out there. We were here last time. This is where we had our fight with the Asian and the Clay Golem and so on. The Skylift is at the opposite end of the chasm, close to where the sea is. And I think that Skylift is overstating it. It goes up maybe 20 feet. It's more than 20 feet, but it's not, you know, the Space Needle or anything. Slightly high lift. Though, you know, for a group of people who are rebuilding after the Calamity, maybe resources are scarce, labor is scarce. Something like this would would seem like a Skylift. It's a pretty pretty intense build. So let's frame it in context and, and, (laughs) and, you know, give them the achievement here. I'm going to frame it as false advertising. Just saying, you calling it you. like it is. Okay. They set some false right. expectations uh, here. For the record, Levi is not impressed Correct. by this build-out. <laughs> we meet Virkit over here, and our first and only job for him is to recover a corn seedling from a wagon that was attacked by its own cargo, or something amongst its cargo. So we do that, we head out up the road, and we find this pot that has a seedling in it, and check it out, and out pop some slugs. Gross. We kill them, and uh, we bring the seed on to its destination, which is a small cliffside town called Swift Perch. They're in desperate need of any sort of farming equipment, you know, seeds, livestock, tools, all of this. They're they're trying very hard to rebuild. So one million corn seedling can make or break this little uh, settlement. Just to clarify, it's not a million corn seedlings. It is a million corn seedlings. It is a million corn seedling. <laughs> my god yes it's not million a million corn seedlings it's a million corn seedling yes it is so named because this type of corn is extra bountiful and it produces an oversized yield exactly probably why it's named as such but it's still a single seedling either way though our recipient is very psyched about this oh yeah swift perch is just a small collection of buildings inside a small wall almost like a fence in terms of scale and this was a former watchtower from before the calamity but now it's being repurposed as like a little farming settlement the the farmer uh lyolf 
he has big dreams for the area. He wants to raise dodos here and have just fields of wheat outside the city, not acknowledging that the place is perched on this rocky, cliffy hillside, which seems like a terrible place for a vast farming settlement. But you go. Yeah, you got to work with what you got, man. He's going to make the best of his situation. So he is rock and roll. There is a lighthouse down the way, which we get roped into fixing. It's about equidistant from Aleport, so it's not like this place is like the lighthouse keeper settlement. There's a much bigger, busier place just down the way that would probably be better to eh. whatever. I don't know. Aleport's got its own shit going on. Also, Swift's perch is so small. Give him a little something to do. <laughs> so we have to go and check out why this lighthouse has been dimming recently. And we do. We follow a rocky road along the ocean cliffside. We can see the lighthouse, Brewer's Beacon. This place seems like a much better location than Swift Perch for a lighthouse because it actually is on this jutting rocky pinnacle that sticks out in the sea. Why they didn't make this the original lighthouse, I don't know, but it is now. So good for them. Less good, though, is that we find out from the keeper, Con Swiss. <coughs> Yeah, that could go either way. Consvis? That the power source has run off. Yeah, isn't that great? The little guy was like, nope. Bye. Right to work, bitches. <laughs> so apparently, yeah, it's a little little fireball that is the beacon. And he, he escaped the furnace. A the bomb, more specifically, which we can re recall our void scent. I find this to be a very questionable in terms of practicality and ethicality. Yes, ethically, it's it's just awful. <laughs> Whatever. Um, I mean, it's it's. Is it not unlike what's the uh, the little fire spirit from Howl's Moving Castle? That guy was also being pressed into service involuntarily. That's what I'm saying. I think it's it's similar. Yeah, I I forget his name, but correct. That's gonna drive me nuts. Anyway, the bomb is a lost cause, evidently, but the keeper asks for us to kill it and bring back its claw. Oh, right. That's right. I think I wrote down, like, it's claw. Weird. So whatever. It's not a big deal. We set a trap by going out and lighting a brazier. And it comes over to check out this sweet fire to eat it, presumably. And we kill it and bring its claw back, which will keep the lighthouse going for a little bit. But we have to go to Limsa to go rope in some help to get it fixed permanently. Yeah, we need to um, get someone from the Armorer's Guild to help rebuild it. We go to Limsa and visit Forge Master Hinanza of the Armorer's Guild. Mm -hmm. This is a goggle-wearing Mikote, and she sends someone out to go work on the furnace and gets us roped into more work as well. Big surprise. <laughs> Story of our life. We're going to be working now for Naldic and Vimelis, which is a major shipyard and metal worker in the region. Yeah, very fancy. The Forge Master makes a weird note about the furnace. She says that she just sent someone there last week to check it, and it was fine. Which, this is never mentioned again, but to me, this fits into the whole sabotage yeah. meta plot going on here, even For though the, sure. the game never makes the connection. It's Yeah, it's not explicitly explained, but it's just it's just a little, a little piece of flavor. If you're paying attention. If you're paying attention. We head to the dry docks. They are down in lower Lanosia. This is the same place where the Red Rooster Stead is, but in the lower half of the region. Yeah, the Morabi Dry Dock. And the Dry Docks are a huge settlement, bigger than most towns, actually, by scale, as shown by the game. 
and it's a big cluster of buildings and scattered supplies and cranes. Right now, they're all in support of one project, building the Victory, which is the first warship to be built since the Calamity. Yeah, this is the this is the the flagship of the Maelstrom going forward. The first kind of symbol of restoration after the Calamity. It's kind of a big deal. So we meet up with Otbjorn, a shipwright. And he is frustrated by the continuous delays and supply issues due to a lack of artisans. Maybe a bit too real. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So as is is typical with a lot of these little quests, we are charged with going to find a guy with some stuff who has gone missing. And it's it's a little worrisome because he's been gone for what, like two days or something? Yep. Um, So we, we had to Salt Strand to go find him. And it's it's clear that he's one, he's kind of ashamed to go back without his goods. But two, he is woefully unprepared to like battle with the Cairns to get his stuff back. He was out on the water, I think, and then like um like a some like storm quality waves came up and I had to go back and reread this because I this is presented in such a confusing way. What happened as far as I understand it? this guy's a shipwright just to to be clear here and he was supposed to go and pick up some goods for the victory so he is supposed to get a shipment here in this area the sea is very choppy due to a storm or whatever so the ship bearing the goods can't approach the shore Mm -hmm. the shipwright ferals mid he hires a fisherman's boat to go out and get the supplies from the bigger ship Mm -hmm. that's having a hard time making it to shore um, to the docks but the fisherman's ship ends up crashing into the bigger ship and they both sink. And then Feral's mid washes up on shore unconscious and wakes up and he sees all these supplies scattered all over the shore. So he's ashamed because he doesn't have the goods and also because he got all these people killed. Did the, the large ship actually sink or just his fisherman's ship? That It's never confirmed. We, we know that the fisherman died. Yes. But... I think because all of the supplies are all over the place, I think the larger ship got sunk as well and the shit floated to shore. I, I think he describes it like there's like a big crash and I, and I got knocked out. So we don't know for sure the fate of the other ship, but... Yeah, we, we do know the uh, the guy he hired uh, died in the whole thing. So basically he's been chilling in this area trying to figure out how to... For two days. Yeah, like how, to, <laughs> like, how do I return? How can I get this stuff back? I, I felt bad for him. I'm like, I feel, you know, it's it's just stuff, man. Like, go, I, I don't know. I, I would give it a bit more gravity. I, I don't like this segment, but I will give him some credit. He did lead to one or more guys getting killed and one or more ships sinking. It wasn't his fault, but he did maybe pressure a guy to go out in poor conditions for it. So he has a hand in the whole event. Oh, of course. You and know, then, wrestling with this guilt and... Yeah, and then also these supplies are for the victory. It's not just, it's not some stuff. It is the symbol of the rebirth of the maelstrom, the, the navy of Limsa. Yeah, so he's he's battling some, some feels. It's kind of funny though. We know that the spaces in the game are summarized. They're compressed because they can't, sh- they don't have like the resources to show a whole world. But this guy is sitting here for two days in shame, a minute's walk away from the dry yeah. docks. Yeah, like 100 yards away. Yep. <laughs> and everybody's like, where did he go? And they didn't think to check, you know, the the, the news of this huge storm and the wreckage of the boat That's and people dying. That's the other thing that bothers me here. Like, nobody checked. And they're like, well, 
bummer. And there's like a there's a like a little watch area right there. This is what bothers me too, is that nobody has bothered to check out this shipwreck until we come along, trotting along, saying, Hey, where's this guy? Yeah. Like there there is a, a humanitarian crisis. <laughs> <laughs> and no one has done shit till we show up. And, and that is part of the weirdness of this whole arc. Everyone's like, oh, there's a shipwreck, I guess, maybe. Yeah. Whatever. Maybe you'll find some dead bodies down on the beach. So the Kakirin who have a little camp there, obviously, they, they take all the stuff. And um, our friend is trying to figure out how to get it back. But we show up and we're going to be the how he gets it back. So we do that. We fight the Kakirins. We get the goods. Um, and when we return them... We find out that actually, you know, there was no all-encompassing storm. The seas were very calm that night, which is why people were confused. As, like, there wasn't any danger. Um, so it was extremely localized, which hints very heavily that the Sahagan were probably involved and summoned this uh, chaos on purpose. Just, you know, to sow, to sow uh, mayhem. More pieces to the puzzle. Yep. Our recovering of these goods heartens Phil's mid, and he's now resolved to show his face again at the dry docks after he gives his condolences to the fisherman's widow. Right. We go back to the dry docks. That problem solved. Fantastic. This done, we have proven our mettle, and we are tapped for a special mission. We are reassigned to meet with Gim Thota. Yeah. Gim Thota, a storm captain in the maelstrom. It seems that while we were out doing these errands, she was doing a background check on us, and we came up clean, thankfully. So now that we've passed, we get to spy on some pirates who may be planning to sabotage the victory. These pirates have kind of set up camp um, out by the the little shrine to Nymea. Yep. And they're just they're just checking all their boxes. Like we look, we have this group of suspicious guys hanging out. We think they might be plotting something. I'm assuming that they have a bunch of other lookouts kind of examining other suspicious groups or individuals so this is just kind of security for for this area is i mean this can't be the only thing they're checking up on i'm just imagining like we're we're helping out with this with this entire operation it has to be larger than just checking up on one group of pirates there's got to be a bunch of other people looking into other things i think that their diligence is lacking as we'll find out soon enough well yeah (laughs) but if it wasn't lacking we wouldn't have anything to do this place, it's just like a, a little jutting rocky area off the, the coast. And this is the bane of hunting logs because there are fireflies here. Oh, God, yeah. And if you're trying to take out your fireflies for your hunting log, they appear here only in the region. Yeah, this tiny, like 20 foot by 50 foot area. It's so annoying. <laughs> it is kind of cool, though, because they has this the shrine to Nymea, which is just a, a rounded stone with a glowing rune showing her spinning wheel symbol yep yeah it's three dudes like the big captain guy and two minions sitting around a fire um we are tasked with pretending that we're a lost adventurer this quest is this approach is ridiculous it's so weird how did we end up in this random ass spot it feels just like hello fellow pirates as you walk up there and they're they can you direct me to the nearest adventurers guild like what is the angle exactly you're gonna talk to them they're gonna spill the the beans because you show up as an like this doesn't make any sense, and we get nothing out of this I, of it's, value. It's such a stretch. All we do is make him mad, and then he leaves. <laughs> if I get one more of you new fucking adventurers asking me where this or that is, I'm going to spit or, or blow up the place or something. 
he does drop one line though, which goes nowhere, which is that he's waiting to get Me Boy back. Me Boy. We realize very soon that Me Boy is Altbjorn. Altbjorn. Altbjorn, who is the head shipwright at the the yards at the dry docks, but this detail does not become relevant until after it's too late. So this whole investigation is, is pointless. Also, I have I have a comment on on this little group of pirates. Please. Um, so the obviously they're immediately combative and they bail real mature guys. But I am almost positive that this little group of pirates is the same group that Ishtola saw in her flashback. Um, there was a group like a um, like three pirates standing in anchor yard, and she was like, "What's going on? Like I'm seeing all of these new." Um, these new pirates like hanging around and, and acting suspicious, and it—I swear to God, it's the same. It's the same guy. That'd be curious. I mean, you have to go back and do the the cutscene comparison, yeah. which would be hard to do because the flashbacks are like a sepia scale. I'm like I—I I, it's the same. You know, obviously it's a it's a large Rogadian male. I they have the same outfit. That um, would track. And yeah, like knowing what his. Um, his jam is in this quest. Um, it does follow. Yep. So we head back and they're like, well, that was helpful. Not really. And then they have us go scout some more for pirates. And we come back and, oh, we're too late. Now the shipyards are under attack by pirates. And they have explosives. And the guards are overwhelmed because they never saw this coming. They never saw this coming. Oh, my God. So uh. we go to the rescue. Uh, we rush to the victory and we take down some pirate scrubs on the way until we find this captain who we just harassed, Otsfin. Otsopfin. Otsopfin? Standing over a captured Otburn. And this, we don't know what's going on, but yeah, Ot- Otburn is uh, like shackled. Yes. We-, we learn in a second what's going on because the captain calls him son and then we're like, oh, he's the boy that's being talked about. Yeah. God damn it. The captain, the pirate captain, Otzapfin. Let's just call him Otzi. Please. Okay. Otzi. <laughs> he goes on this rant about how he's going to help bring back Limps' roots with this act of terrorism. Yeah, no, he's he's mad that his son basically sold out piracy and as his uh, his father's legacy. And the legacy of Limsa Lominsa, as he sees it, uh, to be part of this uh, new woke bullshit. Pretty much. Yeah. Upperm is like, I'm so sorry for my father. But now we have to fight him. Um, and Otburm's totally down with this. He's like, give him what for? Like, this man is is unhinged. Okay, yeah, in my notes, I just totally skipped over the, the fight. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> like, we fight, we win. <sighs> we and the Maelstrom captain, Igim Tota, we team up on Otzi. Midway through the fight, some pirates come in like they do. We stomp them and go back to business. And later, though, some Mamul Jaw also show up. Yeah. And this is sold as being something important because Otzi's like, you don't know what's going on. There's something else afoot and you're so dumb and you're in the dark. The Mamul Jaw also have a boss too. Is which it the is, Mamul Jaw or the Sahagan? It's Mamul Jaw. Oh, okay. We see zero Sahagan during this entire quest line. Okay. Just their minions. But Otzi is letting on like there's some bigger plot afoot that they are tied to. Yeah. Mamul Jaw, I would describe them as kind of iguana people like... Yeah, they have um, kind of like chameleon eyes. They're like a mix of like a reptile and a fish. Yep. So, yeah. <laughs> These creatures are from the New World, which is roughly analogous to the discovery of the Americas. Yeah. 
this place, you know, it's called the New World. It has untapped, mysterious new land vibes to it. Mm-hmm. And it gets referenced multiple times during the main story quest. And um, a lot actually during the Blue Mage quest. Yes. Yeah, you get a lot more detail about it in the um, the Blue Mage quests. But the Mamulja, they are mercenaries that came from that place. Their being here is sold as being important. They were just here for a paycheck, I think. Pretty much. Yeah. This is in this this whole thing was part of the ruse. And Atsi was a pawn in this part of the uh, the greater scheme. Anyway, we beat up the Mamulja and Atsi and the Mamulja lieutenant or whatever, who is like a mini boss in this fight. And then the docks were saved. Everyone's happy. Hooray. And we find an encrypted note on Atsi's person, which we bring back to Baderon to decipher because he knows some stuff. Yes. Um, before we go back to Baderon... While Otzi is like prone on the ground, um, he makes a comment like, wow, did you know this this ship? Did you make this kind of, I don't know, having a little bit of a moment, a tiny little mini arc appreciating his son's work. I miss that. That's kind of sweet. Yeah. He's obviously getting up there in years and having to battle with this enormous change in his in his life in his land and his people, um, his son among them. So this is not an easy transition. This is not a transition he is going to engage in easily. So I think the beatdown really sheds, uh, enlightens him a little bit and maybe shifts his priorities a, a touch. But we don't really know. We just get a little glimpse of a maybe just the slightest little arc in his personality. And then, uh, so then, yes, we find the thing and we're off to Batarun. I hate this Dry Docks subplot. I, I think it's very poorly done. Really? Yes. The narrative is very messy and does not hold up to any degree of scrutiny whatsoever. The the Maelstrom are acting like idiots. They there are <laughs> they keep talking about pirates like creeping all over the place here, but they have done shit all to actually prevent it, even though this is the pride of the, the Maelstrom. That's yeah, being literally it's just Opperm kind of standing there. It, he's not like guarded or you know, they, they literally just let anybody walk in to the dry dock area. There, there are guarded gates everywhere, you know, but if we put most of these situations under a microscope, they're going to fall apart. I, I think this one is especially bad because the, the Maelstrom act like idiots. The, their thing is being spied on and they keep talking about how they're being spied on, but nobody does anything actually useful to prevent this. And then they're like, oh, we're overwhelmed and we have not enough people despite this literal indication of, of something going on to threaten their, their baby. Mm-hmm. The entirety of the plot that leads up to this event is us going to ta- talk to pirates and being like, sup, oh, you don't want to talk to us later. And and that's the entirety of the lead in. <laughs> so it goes from this preamble to climax with nothing in the middle. Right. That This could have been a very fun plot if you had scrapped the BS pit stop in Swift Perch in the corn shit and actually just gone to Morby directly. That would give you the level, the room in, in the um, quest levels to spend down here instead of wasting our time elsewhere. We could actually have a plot where there's this danger. We do some spying and we have to rush back now that we found evidence of this like sabotage. And then we run back and maybe like disarm bombs on the ship or something. And then Otzi hops in to stop us from foiling his plan. And we have this climatic fight. But instead it's like, hey guy, all right, later. Oh, we're being attacked. You know, if, if we thought that these this little group of pirates was so... Um, all up in our business, we could have taken a little group of Yellow Jackets or Maelstrom uh, soldiers 
to surround them and, you know, maybe take them into custody for questioning instead of literally just letting them camp and do whatever. I'm not here to bypass due process. Anyway, that's all. I just I found the the whole thing to be pretty dumb. And it was a bit of a bummer because I think that this could have had more teeth to it and actually been an arc that's coherent with a bit more work and less time doing fetchy BS to fill in levels. So um, I I like the summer fur bit much more than this. Anyway, this message, uh, we bring it back to Baderon. And it turns out this is in Sahagin's script, which he has read during his days as a sillsword. So he deciphers it. And it turns out that this plot here, those being enacted by Atsi, was part of the broader plot to sabotage Limsa in general and just cause chaos in Lanosia. Right. So the... While we thought initially that the attack on the victory was the culmination of the plot, it was simply a distraction from the actual purpose of this operation. Right. So Baderon, he has this process where he's confused. He's like, why why did you have these chumps attack the victory when you could have had your serpent reavers do so? And then he goes, aha, that's it. The whole thing was a diversion. They're going to swift perch for some fucking reason. <laughs> Swift perch, like this, this the, the huge crux of the Limson Lominson economy. Uh, no, man, there's there's like three rows of corn and an ether right there, and some dodos hanging out outside. This shit drives it's me so weird, insane. Ailport would make sense. Why Swift perch? Why why Swift perch? One, it's a, a podunk town. Also, why do you have to have this three part diversionary scheme to attack it? It's a shithole with There's literally like three guards three yellow jackets there and a couple of farmers you would do better <laughs> if you were quieter and didn't call attention know, to your and now, shit and now like the maelstrom and the yellow jackets are all like up in arms and running around and now yeah it's just idiots this whole fucking plot is dumb and it falls apart right here and I don't understand why both Baderon and in a minute Raynor go obviously Swift Perch is, is the crux yeah, of they, this. yeah they both go directly to Swift Perch and I'm like really I okay that doesn't make any sense, but they would know, I suppose. I mean, so I feel bad for Otzi. He was just like this pawn and they, they capitalized on his emotional turmoil to do this whole victory sabotage thing and poor guy. Okay, so yeah, Bataron, he translates the Sahagin note and we give it to Rainer and he's like, my God. Rainer, this is the captain of the Yellow Jackets and he's quartered up in the combination Marauders Guild slash Yellow Jacket HQ. I'm in the combination Marauders Guild and Yellow Jackets headquarters. Nice. Rainer is a former Knight of the Barracuda, Commodore rank, but was nominated to this post by Meryl Vib herself. This guy is a Hur, which is dressed more like a sea captain than a police captain. Keeping it old school. Yeah, we, we deliver it to him. He's like, oh no, um... I guess I'm not going to have a nice night in. Now we got to go to Swift Perch and deal with some baddies. He goes through the same process as Baderon, where he's like, oh, a diversion. Could it be Swift Perch? No, it couldn't be Swift Perch. And then right that second, a guard rolls up saying that the South... The Hogan have launched an attack on South Tidegate. And again, the people (laughs) they're losing in this attack on Limsa itself are probably more than they'll gain from abducting Swift Perch. For some reason, Rainer's like, of course, they're distracting us with this attack on the city to go and- Kidnap four dudes. From Swift Perch. Yep. 
So again, this is, is dumb as shit. Nothing makes any sense with this fucking plot. Well, you know, it's Serpent Reavers and Sahagin, and when cult members plan shit, they sometimes aren't doing it with the clearest of minds. There we go. Mystery solved. It all makes sense now. Yeah, cultists. There were diversions here, both in Limsa and also at the, the Victory, to all distract the Yellow Jackets <laughs> away from the hub of activity, which is right. Swift Perch. <laughs> Amazing. They're strapped too thin to handle it themselves, so Rainer sends us to reinforce the three guards at Swift Perch. Yep. Uh, one of which is uh, Risflo, who is the same Yellow Jacket that quote-unquote accosted us when we first landed in Limsa. Remember, he was like, oh, I, I, I'm, guess, I'm guessing you're fresh off the boat. Remember, and you had a huge problem with him being uppity. And he I was like, no, he's fresh off like the boat nice. now, asshole. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> the bitterness lingers. But it was nice that we saw him again. I don't know. I like that. I like that connection I, I like it whenever they reuse characters, which they do a lot more later on. Yeah. Hey, it's my pal who welcomed me to the city. How nice. Right, Levi? It's so nice. It seems, though, that they do send us some reinforcements because the guard number doubles in Swift Perch when we arrive. So, four. Exactly. (laughs) Before we leave, Raynor makes a very on-the-nose comment about how he wishes that the Warriors of Light were still with him, but we'll have to make do ourselves. Jeez, way to pass the buck. Well, not not that. Handle your shit. Literally before we get nominated as the next Warrior of Light... He's like, I sure wish that we had the Warriors of Light here, but I guess we'll have to make do with you. Ah, shucks. And then we're giggling like, he, 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 he has no idea. We we get to Swift Perch just in time. The gate is wide open because... Because of course it is. Reasons. Why wouldn't it be? We have time just to get our bearings before the Serpent Reavers roll up to Swift Perch. Some of the Yellow Jackets go to protect the small folk as the Serpent Reavers are saying, kill the guards and, and seize the townspeople. Yeah, kill kill all the dudes, take all the dudes. You know, typical bully crap. Typical Serpent Reavers. Yeah, pretty much. While we are fighting the Serpent Reavers, uh, a void scent shows up. A little like, um starts with a bee or something, like a blaga or something like that. Like a little, the little, the little bat. The bad guy shows up just in the middle of it, just uh, randomly. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I never saw him, actually. He might have been killed by some of the scrubs because I never saw the yeah. Blanga. Yeah. So I, I saw that guy and I'm like, that's random. And it happens while you're still fighting all the Serpent Reavers. So, you know, there's some... Well, presumably the Asian summons it to try and... Right. And, and at that point, we didn't, you know, there's no indication that he is there or lurking or you know pulling any strings it's just serpent reaver bullshit despite my being very salty about this plot i do like this scene because when the fight starts you are with the yellow jackets in a line and the serpent reavers are also in a line as they come into the town and then you charge each other and the whole area organically this is not scripted as far as i can tell it's just the people acting on their ais but it turns into the swirling melee in the town square where you've got pockets of fighting all mm-hmm. over the town mm-hmm. and you're going between them trying to reinforce the yellow jackets. Yep. And it actually, it looks very cool because you're spread out over this entire town. It is a bunch of little bits of activity all over the place. Yeah, it's very chaotic. Um, very cinematic, really, the way that the fight is structured. Total action movie stuff. So once we beat off the Serpent Reavers and- Do you want to use maybe a different phrase? No. And okay. maybe you or one of the Yellow Jackets beats off the Blanga. I, I beat it off, yes. Cool. You should, you know, try beating off a Void Sense sometime. It's 
It's interesting. I'm about to because we're going to get a lesser gargoyle to beat off in just a minute. <laughs> Once the Asian, this mysterious masked mage, appears. This is after the fight's over and the Yellow Jackets leave the town conveniently to go and chase down any stragglers. And you're here standing alone in the middle of the town. It's all deserted. Crickets. All the people are evacuated. Yellow Jackets off during their BS. And out comes the Asian, this masked black wearing figure. Yeah, black robed. He steps out from behind the Aetherite and gives us the same speech as we get in the Thanaland segment at the Unholy Unholy Air. Mm -hmm. He has found the source of our power and we can't be allowed to interfere with their plans. Blah, blah. Here, let's summon this lesser gargoyle. That's huge. And the sky turns to the roiling black and purple. We defeat the gargoyle with Yishol's help. Who rolls up midway through the fight? Yeah, you know, we need a healer. I don't. Maybe you do, Jen. Oh, hush. And then we confront the mage directly, we kill him, and the yellow jackets get back just in time to watch the, the right. body fall down. Right. And, and then he says something about the paragons and blah blah, and Ishola's Ishola perks up I'm like, uh oh. It is as I feared. And that's that's technically where we learn the word Asian. If you if you started in Limsa, then this is where you know that that they're called, you know, bringers of chaos, Asians, whatever. Same as in the, the Ulda shit. When he appears, the Yellow Jacket leader, Rizflo, he overhears Yishtola talking about this, and he puts it all up in a nice little bow, saying that the Reavers were being manipulated by this guy, and now he's dead, so we're all good to go. Everything's great. Everything's great. No worries. Yishtola says yes, but not really. Mm-hmm. Yishtola leaves, but not before we see this malevolent, glowing purple crystal shatter into dark energy, just like in the Thanalan segment. Yep. So after all of that is kind of wrapped up in Swift Perch, we head back to uh, the Marauders Guild, the Yellow Jackets headquarters, to kind of uh, debrief with uh, Raynar. 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 And as we are standing there talking about what went down, the Admiral herself walks in. This is very funny because everyone starts to grunt and salute as you're talking to him. Yep. Um, We don't. (laughs) We're just. (laughs) We don't know what's going on. Yeah. I am Melved Bluefistfin, Admiral of Limsa Lominsa. On behalf of my people, I bid you thanks for the deeds you have done this day. So she walks in. I have a huge crush on Merlveb. She's just so incredible she's so tall they're her like Im- Im- just impeccable decotage and her her shooty shoots and her boots and her hair and her like i i i feel that the voice actor for a realm reborn for merle Vib is a little bit better than the the one that follows it's pretty good it's she's she has this like um this grit in her voice that I think is perfection. Um, the the voice actor for post ARR is also fabulous, but it's just it's not the same. She has almost pale white skin and white hair, but that's set off by her black long coat mm-hmm. with the maelstrom pauldrons on mm-hmm. it, and of course she has her shooty shoots, the twin pistols, death penalty, and annihilator. I am so glad you remembered that. These are the pirate captain Miss Beard's pistols, which she gained through some, for now, unknown means. Mm-hmm. Um, you also did um, finger guns while you were saying that. Appropriate. Meryl Vib, of course, is the Admiral of Limsa itself, a.k.a. the city's leader. She's accompanied by another row 
he's a big spiky white haired guy with goggles on all the fucking time (laughs) even this comes much later but he appears in very unprofessional attire and he's still wearing his goddamn goggles yep um Um, anyway (laughs) we'll we'll hang out with him more later on this guy is einzar stasfrian schlafsvian he is the maelstrom's second in command aka the grand storm marshal oh grand moff storm marshal Grand what? Nothing. That's a Star Wars reference. As we might recall, Meryl Vib is the orchestrator of all this BS we're dealing with in the city. The Galadian Accord. Yes, yeah. which has outlawed piracy as we knew it. After she claimed the admiralship in the Trident, which is the contest between captains to see who becomes admiral for seven years, she launched this bold ambition to transform Lumza into its new and up-and-coming self. Mm-hmm. How can you not just like be weak in the knees in front of this woman? <laughs> oh, okay. She is the daughter of Blofiz Blofizfjern. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> Why are you Blofiz. so Blofiz? <laughs> <laughs> this shit does not roll off the tongue, Jim. It really doesn't. <laughs> but Blofiz, that's his name going forward. Blofiz Blofizfjern. You hit me, Jen. What? Hit me the first and last name, Jen. Blofiz Blurfizfin. <laughs> Why is this piece of shit? <laughs> I learned it from watching you, okay? Blurfiz Blurfizfin? Blurfiz Blurfizfin. Thank you, Jen. Jen, our chief... Linguist. Linguist. Uh, who was captain of the League of Lost Bastards? That's a great name. Yeah. He wasn't, wasn't he a bastard? Like, literally. Like, he was a piece of shit. He was a piece of shit. Yeah. Absolutely. As the now admiral served under her father for some time until she found out that he was consorting with Sahagin. Yeah. No dice. And upon that revelation, she challenged him to single combat, which was held as is the tradition upon a deserted isle. Oh my God. I can I can no longer get any more erect about this woman. <laughs> well, hold on to your horses, Jen. So... <laughs> It is said that she killed him with her pistol death penalty, but no one knows for sure as only she returned from the aisle. Amazing. We can assume that her father is dead, but we have no proof. After having uh, killed her father, Meryl Vib took over as captain of the League, and she went on to a great number of exploits before eventually she challenged the other captains in the Trident and has become the Admiral of Limsa. You go, girl. And the rest is history. Mm-hmm. Please take us into the scene, Jen, when Meryl Vib first arrives. Everyone becomes, uh, is, is at attention right away. Including Jen. <sighs> yes. And this is the part where she is like, so, you know, you're the hero of Limsa. Um, recognizes our contribution to her nation, to the nation. It's not hers. Um, and, and invites us to, I mean, there's like a whole speech and whatever, and I'm not going to go into it because she could tell a lot better than I do if you want to cut that into the I to the recording. I already did. Fantastic. Okay, great. Um, but just like with the uh, the old Daw start, we're invited to a very exclusive banquet. And everyone gasps. Yeah. Oh, go- oh shit. <laughs> That's serious, man. Like nobody, nobody gets an invitation to these things. A seat of honor at the celebratory feast is the least I can offer the man who foiled the Sahagin. Oh! <laughs> a seat at the feast! 
and a huge deal we're told that what we're wearing is not appropriate of course and we're told to go see Bataran, who can maybe hook us up with something a little bit more um, Mobetta. We're also gifted the Lamincin ring, which is a fat silver ring with a red stone. Did we get that? Yes. Oh, shit. I, okay. The stats are not good, but you should put it in your glamour chest as soon as you unlock glamours. Oh, yeah. I have the uh, Uldan ring. I guess that's expected. Um, so so now we have to go see Bataran to figure out what we're going to wear. We go to pick up this package for him. Well, okay, we see Bataran. He's like, go go see this lady from the, um, it's the, the consortium. It's the, um, the Bruguer, the Bruguer yes. consortium. And she gives us a, a little locked box and we take it back to Bataran. And he's like, oh, look at this. Wow, these are really nice. You got some shoes. Just shoes. Just shoes. Oh, yeah. Leather harness and these, you know, the big, big leather, like, like armor. And now these very dainty little gentlemen's shoes well the shoes make the woman jen yeah so apparently. you're good to go i guess it's it's a better thing to show up in than like a pair of earrings i guess i i think honestly the footwear clashing with your outfit is worse i was than- so annoyed <laughs> like i couldn't there was nothing else that i had in my um in my glamour or my inventory that i could equip to make it look any sort of suitable just give us some damn clothes. They exist. Every city has their own formal wear. I know. Just like a nice little, um, the bliode or um, some like some chosses and then the the fancy shoes. Can you not spare the expense? I think you can. And now we're showing up looking like an absolute idiot. My character, I skipped ahead to do the Hall of the Novice because I wanted the armor from it. Mm, so mm-hmm. I have this huge chest plate and pauldrons, gauntlets, and dainty little shoes dainty underneath. Dainty little shoes in your little white socks. The little buckle. Yes. <laughs> I, feel, I feel ridiculous. So my confidence having been shattered by donning these little shoes, we head up to the banquet uh, to be applauded and flattered, etc., etc. Um, just like in the uh, old law situation. Um, and as with the Ulda banquet, there is a little Lalafell doing a jaunty little jig throughout the entire ordeal. I guess he, this guy gets invited to all the banquets because he's a good dancer. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Merle Veb again uh, launches into a, you know, we are here to honor what's her face uh, for their services, et cetera, et cetera. Same, same deal as Ulda. After, oh, 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 fuck. <laughs> Uh, Ishtola's there, right? Yes. Yes, Ishtola's there. She notices a little glimmer. Just, just you know, um, Raban notices the, the, the same thing. This, this, the shine of the crystal that the mother crystal gave to us. Yes. So um, we we whip it out, and there's a. I mean, there there isn't like an illiteral gasp, but it's it's a sign to everybody in the room that we have been chosen and our fate. Our destiny is so much bigger than they had initially thought. I like this bit more than the Ulda because they spell out more for you what's going on. Yishola actually talks about what this thing is, and Merlvib is much more clued into this thing, or at least more talkative about it, than Raoban was. So they, they both tell you that this is a sign that you have been marked by the Mother Crystal. And you are like the warriors of light of old. Mm-hmm. And I, I do like the extra information they give you in this little scene here. It, it's very helpful versus like Raoban, who is 
very vague and likens you to warriors of old, but doesn't really talk about or make the connection for you if you're brand new and are being overwhelmed by information being shoved at you left and right. Yeah, Merlvib is very much explicit about the significance of this and what it means to you and to Eorzea in, in general. Um, there, you, you definitely feel the weight of it um, better in the, in the way that this is delivered than yep. from the Uldan banquet. And then she goes on to reminisce about the Battle of Karchano. We have a flashback. And whoops, we passed out just like before mm-hmm. and awaken in the Drowning Wench. Yep. So the, the flashback is it, the exact same flashback we get about the Battle of Corsino and uh, the two Astians there uh, with their plotting. And uh, Batteron is, uh, says that we've been summoned again by the Admiral. Um, and, you know, please don't pass out this time. It's super rude. I immediately take off my fucking shoes and put my real <laughs> shoes on. I'm like, I'm not going up to her to her office looking like a dumb so we go up and um, she's, she's you know, she gives us the, uh, you know, I'm glad you're okay, blah, blah. And um, what we are doing is setting up um, a memorial in all of the three major city-states for, uh, to, to recognize the, uh, to memorialize the calamity on, on, it, the, on its fifth anniversary. And I've drafted up a, basically a, a, an outline for the, uh, for the ceremony and I would like you to be my personal envoy and deliver it to the leaders of the other two city-states for me. And that's that's that. That is it for the Limsa Lamensa main story quest. Look at us. We are about to merge MSQs. Whew. We made it. Yeah. We have Gridania left to go. So, Jen, what did you think? Well, aside from the issues we had earlier with some of these little plots... Yeah, like some of them, some of them did did fall flat for me. As soon as Merlvib got involved, then suddenly there was the the gravitas was at was the apparent. literal last minute, right? <laughs> um, then suddenly everything had so much more significance to to me as a player. You um, know, I was expecting her to make a cameo earlier, like we do with the Sultana, but yeah. no. So I, I was surprised that you don't get that little hint. And you don't see her until the end. Yeah, though I mean, her when she shows up, it's 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 kind of a big moment. It's um, they do frame it really well. This is obviously an extremely important and well respected person. Yes. Um, and so I liked that I was able to feel that. So yeah, the 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 last tiny little bit of the MSQ and Limsa Luminsa, and maybe like the first little bit where you are doing little farm farm stuff, and it, you're you're very much in the thick of. That transition from pirating to farming to, you know, more pastoral <laughs> economic endeavors. And then the middle part is a little squiffy, but, um, you know, overall not unpleasant. Good. Yeah. I had fun, for sure. There is a lot more of a flow of story to this one than there is to Ulda, right. I think. There is no side questy non-plot BS four or five levels, even though... The climax, I think, had a very shaky story. I still appreciate at least that it was set up for the entire 15 levels and was not just, you know, level 12. Here we go. Story time. Right. But that said, it was a bit spoiled for me by just how eyebrow raising the whole last (laughs) events were from my perspective. All right. Well, can't win them all. And if I if I had to pick an Asian fight, I like the unholy air much more than the deserted town of Swift Perch. <laughs> no, it's a deserted town. 
But still, um, it's it's good stuff. It sets up a lot for the future. I think that meeting Yashchala was a lot of fun here. Yeah. It does a good job of setting up Yashchala's character when you meet her here. And it, it does Agreed. help yes. to frame her for future interactions. Um, yeah, it, it's clear that she has a a deep history and a scholarly attachment to uh, the goings-on and the, the, the strife, this, this thread that has run through pre-calamity to now. So she's she's kind of on her own separate mission, but all of it ties together. I, I like that she accompanied us to the banquet. I don't think Thancred was with us in Ulda, was he? I don't think so. No, I think our only interaction really was with uh, Roban. We didn't talk to him for sure. I'm trying to think if he appeared in the background in the, in the banquet and Ulda. It, it just feels wrong that he wouldn't, is kind why I, I don't want to commit to that statement. Yeah, I don't know. He didn't have a role in it, though. That's for sure. Rude. <laughs> Typical thing, Rude. Probably off, you know, him bowing. Mm-hmm. Doing what he does best. I don't know. Being a handsome stranger. Any other comments, Jen? No. That about wraps her all up. All right. Well, next time, we are talking about the rogue class. That's a fun one. I think it's a lot of fun. The story is good for, for Rogue, I think. And also, it's appropriate to do after doing all the Limsa quests. Yes. For spoilers, but I, I think that it really helps to put a... Um, really helps to close out our Limsa segments. Yeah, it wraps up the kind of the weirdness that's in that's between like the Yellow Jackets and the pirates. I mean, the, the pirates that are somewhat sanctioned... Um, pirates that aren't sanctioned, and how all of these different parties kind of work together to maintain law and order in Limsa Limsa. Yep. Well, look forward to that next time. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. And if you want to hit us up on the internet, you can on Twitter at PodReturn or uh, via mail um, at or via email at uh, PodReturnFFXIV at gmail.com. Hope you enjoyed and we will see you next time.